This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome. It's a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the 23rd day of May 2023. Glad you're spending a little bit of time with us this morning as we uh, talk about what went on last night in the world of sports. And uh, the brooms are out everywhere, it seems, uh, in uh, the playoffs right now. Uh, last night, uh, and Nikola Jokic, uh, Jokic another triple-double. Uh, 30 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists, and they sweep the Los Angeles Lakers out of the Western Conference Finals. They win 113-111. to 111. Uh, Jokic with a huge bucket with 51 seconds to play, driving into the lane and uh, giving Denver its first ever trip to the NBA Finals. And uh, unless the Boston Celtics can pull off some kind of a miracle uh, and come back from 3-0 down to the Miami Heat, that means that the Nuggets will be playing the eighth-seeded Heat in the NBA Finals starting on the 1st of June. Uh, to say that Denver will be a prohibitive favorite in that would be an understatement. Um, and look, you know, no team has ever come back after losing the first three games of an NBA series. The Celtics aren't going to change that. The Celtics have absolutely quit on their head coach, Joe Mazzulla. Uh, there was a story in the, in the Boston Globe this morning. I think it was Chad Finn that wrote it. And I said it yesterday on the air that I think the Celtics need to, uh, need to make a change. I think they were premature in giving Missoula the permanent job. He has been totally outcoached. He seems totally lost. He's, he has lost that team. The players don't seem to really want to listen to him at all, and uh, they're done. I mean, my God, you know, the, the the performance that they had in Game 3 when they had a chance to get back into this uh, and to totally lay an egg like they did down in, in Miami, they're not coming back. So it's going to be Denver and Miami in the NBA Finals. Uh, and after the game last night, LeBron James um, said he had a lot to think about, you know, and – uh, will he come back for another season? He doesn't know. I believe he will. I believe there is still a part of him that wants to stick around long enough to play with his kid. Of course, in order for that to happen, uh, he's got to uh, be drafted by the Lakers. I don't know how that, you know, this, if he's as talented as everybody says he is, uh, he may not play with the Lakers. So I, I don't know how that's going to work. Um but there is some, you know, thought that he, that he may want to do that. But that was a tough loss for LeBron last night. Look, he did everything that he could do. 
He had 40 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, his team led the game at the half by a bunch. And uh, it goes to show you that it is not a one-man game, that one man cannot make a victory. LeBron did everything he could. They still came up short. So Denver sweeps. I suspect that the Miami Heat are going to sweep the Celtics tonight. So that'll be that'll be two sweeps. Uh, the Florida Panthers win last night over the Carolina Hurricanes. They take a 3-0 lead in their series. Sergei Bobrovsky with his first playoff shutout as they beat the Hurricanes 1-0 in Florida last night. And uh, it's the 205th time that a team has taken a 3-0 series lead in the NHL playoffs. Uh, 200 of the previous 204, they went on to win the series. So there have been four times that a team has come back from 3-0 down. Odds are obviously against Carolina, but Carolina, the number one remaining seed in the Eastern Conference after uh, the Bruins got bounced. Still can't get over that. Um, but there could be another sweep. Who knows? In Florida. And then the Las Vegas Golden Knights are up on the Dallas Stars two games to none. That one might be the most uh, interesting because I think Dallas is a – I don't know if they're a better team than Vegas, but I think they're more evenly matched, and I think the Stars have a chance uh, to win a couple of games in that series. And it wouldn't shock me if Dallas came back to win it. Um, but uh, it's – it's. Uh, Kind of crazy the way the playoffs have gone so far with so many teams opening up these big leads. Um, other NBA news from yesterday, Carmelo Anthony made it official. He has retired from the NBA. He didn't play in the NBA this year, so he was essentially retired anyway because nobody wanted him. Um, but 19 years in the league, he is the number nine scorer in league history. He will be in the Hall of Fame uh, he is eligible f for the class of 2026. Uh, look, this is a guy that he was a lightning rod at times. Um, he had a lot of detractors, but this is a guy that was a 10-time All-Star, was a scoring champion. Six times he was named All-NBA. He was named as one of the 75 greatest players in NBA history. Um, you know, this is a guy that won a national championship at Syracuse, a guy who won three Olympic gold medals. As a matter of fact, he played in 31 games in four appearances at the Olympics. No other U.S. men's player <clears throat> ever did that. Um, and, and I think a lot of Carmelo's issues with uh, people that have issues with him or his time with the Knicks, he could be a little brash and he seemed a malcontent at times. But this is a guy that was a special player. Um, and he said, you know, and he's got a he's got a son that he's been uh, spending time watching. He's a a highly regarded high school player. Um, and Anthony said yesterday, he said uh, people ask what I believe my legacy is, and he said that it's not his feats, on, you know, on the court, uh, the awards, the praise. He said he said my story has always been more about basketball. My legacy is my son. And he said, the time has come for you to carry the torch. So that that's kind of a cool way to put it. But uh, Carmelo Anthony makes it official. Uh, he is out 
uh, of the NBA and uh, calling it a career. Jim Beheim, by the way, uh, the retired head coach at Syracuse, uh, sent him a note and said, hey, <laughs> welcome welcome to retirement. Um, but, uh, again, special player, will be in the Hall of Fame, 28,000-plus points in his career. I mean, when you look at the – here's the list of people that have scored more points than Carmelo Anthony in the NBA. LeBron James, Kareem, Carl Malone, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, Will Chamberlain, and Shaq. That's it. That's it. Uh, the NFL in its spring meetings yesterday, and I, I don't know what the NFL is doing, but they approved yesterday a um, more of the flexing of the schedule. Currently, they have a, a situation in place where uh, a game can be flexed into a different time slot if it is more of a marquee game. Um, but now they are going to allow games that are scheduled for a Thursday night to be pushed to a Sunday afternoon because it might be a more impactful game, which would also mean that then another game has to be flexed into Thursday night. Now, they're going to make it. It has to be a 28-day window for it to happen because, look, playing on a Thursday night, the coaches hate it anyway. I hate it. I think it's stupid. You're asking a team that played on Sunday to turn around and play again four days later. You know, and and teams look. We all know what a physical sport football is, but teams are very regimented. They have a process. They have a schedule that they go through. When you ask them to play on Thursday, it throws everything off because then after that, they have extra days off after. And so it's just it's just stupid. And now that they've moved it to uh, Amazon Prime, where not everybody can watch it anyway, it's even more dumb. But so now they're going to allow games to be flexed. Uh, to a Thursday and out of a Thursday. Now, they have said that the bar to do that will be very high and that no team will be required to be required to play more than twice on a Thursday night in a season. Uh, They're going to try it out for 2023 for now, see how it goes, but this could become a permanent thing, and it's just not a good idea. You know, and there were owners that voted against it. You know, and I think if you ask the coaches to vote, I think every one of them would say not just no, but hell no. Uh, so, uh, but a stupid decision, I think, by the NFL, but nobody asked me. And they make billions and billions of dollars, and the NFL is the, you know, million-pound gorilla in the room. They can do whatever they want, and they're still going to make money. Uh, and, and their fans are going to forgive them no matter what happens. The other thing that the NFL did in their spring meetings, and I think this was a great idea, they are going to allow teams to have an emergency quarterback, and it's not going to count against their limit of active players. Uh, this was initially proposed uh, by the Detroit Lions, but it might as well be called the Brock Purdy rule, right? Because the 49ers were in a situation this year where they had lost Trey Lance in Week 2, Jimmy Garoppolo in Week 13, and they didn't know what the hell they were going to do. Now, if a team has three quarterbacks on the active list for a game, they can't use that emergency quarterback. 
But most teams don't have three quarterbacks. They have two. But they will be allowed to suit up a third guy as an emergency as long as they – I think it's like 90 minutes before the game they have to announce that they're going to do that. But it's a great idea. It's kind of the same idea that teams have when uh, – I think that's a great idea by the NFL, but uh, that is balanced out by the stupid idea of flexing games on a Thursday night. I just uh, – I think the NFL, you know, and this year they're going to have a Black Friday game, right? The day, the day after Thanksgiving. They're already going to have games on Thanksgiving. Now they're going to play a game on a Friday, which means on Sunday there's going to be, you know, just a handful of games and they could suck. But why do we have to have a Black Friday game? You know, I think the NFL, you know, I, I as I said, they can do whatever they want and people seem to forget, but I think you run the risk of – oversaturating your product. One of the uh, appeals to football forever has been the fact that you only play once a week and it's on Sunday with one Monday night game. That's what it was all about. was, you know, everybody on Sunday and then two teams would play on Monday night. You know, now we have situations where sometimes we have two games on Monday night. We have a game on Thursday. Now we're going to have a game on a Friday. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, during the holiday season and Christmas, sometimes we have games on Saturday. I think, you know, you're taking away the specialness of the sport and the way that it has been designed. And people, you know, look forward to that all week. And now you're asking them, you know, that they're with their favorite team to take time out of their schedule to do, you know, other things to be there to watch their team play. I just think it's a risk, you know, and it's probably, you know, as I said, the NFL can do whatever they want. It's probably going to work out fine. I just worry, you know, that, that, and look, the ratings for Thursday night haven't been great anyway. Some of that's because it's on Amazon Prime, but a lot of that's because the games they have been putting on Thursday night are absolutely far too many of those games this year, far too many. So, uh, and, and now if you suspended back after a uh, pregame segment that aired on May 5th, uh, the A's were in Kansas City to play the Royals. And during that day, uh, Kuiper had gone to the Negro League Museum, baseball museum, to, to tour it, and he was really excited about it and uh, came back and was talking about it on the air. And while he was... Uh, bringing it up, he mispronounced the word Negro, making it sound like a racial slur. He didn't come out and say the N-word that you know what I'm thinking, but it sounded very much like that. And uh, he got suspended, and then yesterday they fired him. I have uh, called probably a thousand games in my career on radio on the internet on television and I can tell you that there are just times when you get tongue-tied and something you are trying to say or a word that you are trying to say doesn't come out right I have had that happen it happens it's, it's happening more as I get older um but it happens when you are paid to talk for a living on the air. There are going to be times when you're going to mispronounce something or you're going to mumble something or you're going to slur something or you're going to make a mistake. 
Now, I've never made a mistake like that, but I can understand how it would happen. And Kuyper took responsibility. I mean, he said, look, he said it was terrible. He said, but it was an honest mispronunciation. Even Bob Kendrick, who was the president of the Negro League Museum, said that, look, you know, it's a horrible word. He said, but I didn't get a sense that that was what he, you know, Kuiper was. And I believe in forgiveness and, you know, we, we need to, you know, move on. But as Kuiper said in his statement yesterday, and, and look, I I can't disagree. He said, I wish the Oakland A's and NBC Sports would have taken into consideration my 20-year career my solid reputation, integrity, and character. But in this current environment, traits like integrity and character are no longer considered. And that, my friends, is the problem. In this day and age of the 24-hour news cycle, of social media, uh, of you cannot make an honest mistake. And I firmly believe that Glenn Kuyper did not mean to mispronounce the word like that. I've watched the video. I get it. But it wasn't like he came out and said that word. It was like it was kind of kind of mumbled and slurred, and he just got – it happens. He said, I will always have a hard time understanding how one mistake in a 20-year broadcasting career is cause for termination. I cannot disagree. But that is the society that we live in today. Everybody on social media is perfect. Nobody on social media or in the media or any has ever made a mistake in their life. They are perfect, and everybody wants to judge somebody else. You know, all the mom shaming we see on, uh, on social media about, you know, telling people how they should raise their children or body shaming people because they, they don't fit into what they think um, – a body should look like, you know, you're too fat. You know, this is what, this is what we are as a society now, but look at the, the, the division we have between the right and the left. There is no middle ground. There's no chance to make a mistake. You're either an angel or you're a demon. There's no in between. There's no room for mistakes in our society today. And it goes down the line, whether it's mispronouncing a word, whether it's making a mistake and getting yourself in trouble with the law. Everybody has made mistakes in their life. Not all of them result in, in things like this. But I firmly believe Glenn Kuyper is getting, you know, or is getting caught up in, in today, in, in what today's society is. Even Mark Kotze, who is the manager of the A's, said, look, this decision wasn't made by the team, okay? I had nothing to do with it. The team had nothing to do with it. This was all NBC. He said, and I agree, he said, I think personally that we missed an opportunity to maybe use this as an educational platform. Amen. Look, Glenn Kuyper made a mistake. He mispronounced the word. I... <laughs> 
if if you went back and watched all the the or listened to all the games that I've done, I have mispronounced many words. I have gotten tongue-tied. I have slurred words, it, and I wasn't drunk. <laughs> you know, it happens. Glenn Kuyper's 60 years old. He's had a hell of a career. Uh, whether he gets another opportunity or not, we'll see. Uh, he said at the end of his statement, he said, but I know something better is in my future. I hope so. By the way, and Glenn Kuyper is uh, the younger brother of uh, Dwayne Kuyper, who was an announcer for the San Francisco Giants. This has to be very, very difficult for Dwayne Kuyper. And uh, and I hope Glenn lands it on his feet. He may not, because I am not sure that if some other team wanted to hire him, if the backlash that they would get from social media wouldn't be so much that a team wouldn't touch him. It, it might be that Glenn Kuyper is kryptonite now. It's not right, but it may well be the case. You know, but when you have the president of the Negro League Museum saying, hey, you know, I operate from a place of forgiveness. And, yeah, the word is wrong. And, you know, but he also didn't believe that that was Kuyper's intention. Look, Glenn Kuyper was excited. He was thrilled. I mean, Bob Kendrick even said that he was so enthusiastic about being there and learning about it. And uh, and, and he was talking about it on the air. And so to have it, you know, come out this way for Kuyper has to be devastating. And, and I feel for him. I feel for him, but uh, welcome to 2023, where you know this is the the day of uh, we just we shoot first and ask questions later. 28 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 30 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning. So the Boston Red Sox lose last night to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim by a final of 2-1. to one. I am not going to go crazy about this one. This was a game where the Red Sox bats were just quiet. And part of it, you tip your cap to the Angels. At the other, you know, The other part of this is you say to yourself, who are these guys that did what they did to the Red Sox last night? I mean, you know, uh, it wasn't like they were throwing out Nolan Ryan and, you know, uh, Frank Tanana and, you know, the old, the old Angels teams. This is Jaime Berea, who hadn't started a game for the Angels in a couple of years, hadn't thrown more than 50, 55 pitches in a game all season and went out and threw five shutout innings against the Red Sox, only gave up two hits and struck out six, didn't walk anybody. Um, you know, uh, but the Sox, I, I can't go crazy. I just can't. I mean, was it a game I thought they should have won? Yeah. Was it a little bit maddening watching it, wondering when are you going to hit this guy? Yeah, I get, you know, absolutely. But there's still four games over 500. Uh, you know, they're still uh, right in the mix. And so I'm, I'm just going to relax. I'm going to, what I'm, what I'm choosing to do is take away the positive from last night. And the positive from last night was Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck went six innings last night, three hits a run. He struck out eight, walked two, threw 83 pitches, looked great. You know, one of the things that was impressive to me last night was that he went through the batting order three times. 
And the biggest problem for Tanner Houck, and we've we've saw it all season, is that for the first three or four innings, he's usually dominant as hell. And then that third time around, when guys have seen him, they start to tee off on him a little bit, or a lot of bit. Last night, that didn't happen. He got some huge strikeouts of uh, Mike Trout last night, Shohei Otane. He just, you know, every time they needed a big play, he got it. Made a nice defensive play, started a double play on a comebacker to the mound, which is something that a lot of pitchers have trouble sometimes with throwing the bases. It's weird how they can throw, you know, 95 miles an hour to the plate, but you got to throw 60 feet to a base and you, you, you panic. Uh, but he made a nice double play. So I'm choosing to take away that last night. Uh, look, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani was a combined 0 for 6. <laughs> Hunter Renfro uh, was 0 for 4. Jared Walsh, the two through five or two through two through six guys in that order, didn't have a hit. I mean, what do you you can't ask for any more than that from your starting pitcher? So Tanner Houck showed that maybe he's figured something out here, and uh, that solidifies that rotation a little bit. They've got Garrett Whitlock is going to pitch uh, this weekend. You know, I still don't believe that uh, Corey Kluber. Maybe he belongs in that rotation. They're going to give him one more try. But when when Tanner Howe can do what he did last night, it makes you feel a lot better. With the way Chris Sale has been pitching lately, he looks like the old Chris Sale. James Paxton looks like the guy that uh, you were expecting before the injuries, the guy that, you know, when he was with the Yankees uh, back in 2019 was unbelievable before all the injuries hit. Um you know, and now you get Whitlock and you get Hauk and Brian Bayo has been great lately. All of a sudden, that one through five is looking pretty good. Um, so I'm going to take away the positive from last night. And Brian Bayo is going to pitch today. In his last four starts, Bayo has an ERA of 2.59. And they're going to now. Now, I'm going to tell you what, I'm, what I am. I'm saying I'm taking the positive away from last night, despite the loss, there were some things to, to, to cheer about. However, tonight, they are facing Griffin Canning. Griffin Canning is 2-2, two and two and he has an ERA of over 6. Lost his last two starts. He's been, you know, batting practice. I could tell you right now, if the Red Sox don't win this game tonight, I'm going to be pissed. I'm t- just mark it down. There'll be a rant tomorrow morning if the Red Sox can't beat a guy with an ERA of over six. Um, the other positive thing from last night, by the way, and I love this, the game started, first pitch was at 9.38 last night. The game took two hours and five minutes. I was in bed by quarter to 12 on a game that was on the West Coast. You know, in the past, take it to the bank, you weren't getting to bed until 12.30 or 1 o'clock in the morning because the games were taking three, three and a half hours. So I I don't want to hear anybody else. I don't want to hear anybody bitch about the pitch clock. It has – I'm not going to go crazy and say it saved baseball because I don't think baseball needed saving, but it has made baseball watchable again. It is wonderful. Constant motion, constant action. Pitchers aren't diddling around. Batters aren't diddling around. And we can get to bed at a decent hour. Games on the West Coast. Absolutely love it. 
Um, the Yankees and the Orioles were both off last night, uh, but Tampa Bay was not. Tampa Bay took on the Toronto Blue Jays, the Toronto Blue Jays who currently are in last place in the American League East despite having a winning record. They lose to the Blue Jays last night 6-4. to four. The Tampa Bay Rays hit three more home runs last night. They now lead the league with 94 homers. Folks, they had 139 home runs all of last year. At this rate, they're going to have more than that before the All-Star break. And this isn't like the old bash brothers of Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco in Oakland or you know, some of the other great slugging teams, you know, what the Yankees can do with Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. And yeah, it, this is the the Rays where most of these guys, I swear to God, unless you're a Rays fan, you couldn't pick them out of a lineup. You know, with the exception of Randy Arozarena, who everybody knows now, but Jose Siri, Luke Rayleigh, who the hell are those guys? You could put them in my living room. I wouldn't be able to tell you who they were. But they each go deep last night, and uh, the Blue Jays lose 6-4. Tampa now 35-14. and uh, They are 22-4 and at home. Now, remember I just said they are 22-4 and at home. The crowd last night at Tropicana Field in Tampa for a team that is 35 and 14 overall, 22 and 4 at home, was 8,800 people. That's it. 8,800 people for a team that is 35 and 14. If the Boston Red Sox were 35 and 14, you would have to put them you'd have to grease everybody up as they went through the turnstiles to try to get everybody in the ballpark that wanted to go it'd be standing room only it would be the same way if it was the new york yankees and some other teams around the league they would be insanely excited you wouldn't be able to get a ticket to these games 88 Hundred people. And just the other day, the owner of the Tampa Bay Rays was, you know, when talk has come up, of course, with the, the uh, with the A's moving from Oakland or proposed move from Oakland to Las Vegas and, and talk about the Rays has been for a while about wanting a new ballpark and, you know, should they be in Tampa? Can Tampa support them? And he has said... I expect that we are going to build a new ballpark and we are going to be here. Why? Why? If that's the best that you can do for a team that is as good as the Rays are, why in the hell would you want to keep your team there? Think about this. The Rays, by keeping the team in Tampa, the ownership group is actually losing money. They're throwing money down the toilet because they're not selling tickets. What kind of a business model is that? I mean, unless your corporate support 
is so large that you couldn't get that somewhere else, why in the hell would you want to keep the team in Tampa? And again, I apologize to those of you that listen to this show that live in Tampa. Tom Gentile. Why why should anybody keep a team there? And prior to the game last night, they started the day. Now, now I'm going to say this. I mean, it was only 8,800 last night, which is awful. They're averaging 18,000 people, which is 10th best in the American League. That's the lower uh, quarter of the American League. It's not great. That's not great. Let's not get excited. Here's a cookie. You're 10th in the American League. Yay for you. When the bar's fairly low, when you got teams like in Hillcon Athletics that draw flies. And the reason that they're averaging 18,000 is because the Red Sox go there, and the Yankees go there, and the Mets go there. And so when you have teams, you know, all the, uh, the transplanted Northerners that live in Florida love it when their teams go down there to play. Hell, I haven't been to Tampa. Well, I've been to Tampa before, but I don't go to Tampa to see when the Red Sox are there. But you know what? My wife and I went to Atlanta when the Red Sox came in. If you are from another part of the country, you are going to go to games when your favorite team comes. And that's the only thing that saves the Rays' ass. But why? Why keep the team there? It just seems silly to me. Um Jose Barrios will pitch for Toronto tonight. Uh, Taj Bradley, who is 3-0. This is the thing with the Rays. They continue to bring these guys in. Taj Bradley, a rookie, 3-0. And by the way, they're going to get, uh, I mentioned this yesterday, Tyler Glass now is going to pitch for the Rays on Saturday. So they're just going to get better. And they're going to continue to play in front of 8,800 people. If you're the Rays, you probably prefer playing on the road because at least there's some excitement in the air. Oh. The uh, Houston Astros continue to roll. They win again last night. They destroyed the Brewers 12-2 to last night. It was the eighth straight win for Houston. They are 9-1 and in their last 10. They are now just a game back of the Texas Rangers in the American League West. Last night it was Jordan Alvarez. Uh, two homers, including a grand slam. Uh, he had a solo shot off of Corbin Burns in the fifth and uh, then uh, hit a grand slam against Hobie Mildner out of the bullpen. Uh, look, uh, Corbin Burns gave up four home runs in a game last night, first time in his career. You know, I mean, this is a, a situation in Milwaukee. Milwaukee had been playing pretty well. Uh, they've hit the skids a little bit, and the, now they are tied with the Pittsburgh Pirates for first place in the NL Central. But Corbin Burns, who has been the ace of this uh, Milwaukee staff, now has an ERA north of four. Four bombs last night. He gave up five runs and seven hits, and then it got worse when they brought the bullpen in. Um, but the Astros, Jose Altuve is back. Jordan Alvarez looks like he's figured it out. Christian Javier was great last night. Allowed just one run and four hits over six innings. Uh, his last four starts, he's been really good. Uh, he's allowed, uh, 
I think, six runs over his last four starts. You know, and it's going to be important for guys like him to pick up the slack with Luis Garcia having Tommy John surgery. Uh, they're going to use a, uh, a rookie tonight, J.P. France, who is 1-0. We'll get the start for the Astros tonight. It'll be Colin Ray uh, pitching for the Brewers tonight. And Colin Ray has been awful, so this may be another win for the Astros tonight. I mentioned the uh, the Rangers. They lose to the Pirates yesterday. Uh, final in that one was 6-4. to four. Look, the Pirates had a great April. Uh, they have struggled in May. They have struggled mightily in May. Uh, but they get a big win last night, 6-4 uh, to four over the Rangers. Uh, they have lost 6 of 10, uh, but that was a good one last night. That is a very good Rangers team, and to beat them on the road, um, uh, tip your cap. Luis Ortiz started last night. He pitched into the eighth inning, got his first major league victory. Um, he allowed two runs and five hits in seven and two-thirds innings. It was only his eighth career start, but he uh, threw the most innings by a Pirates rookie since Trevor Williams went eight against the Dodgers back in 2017. Uh, and they used another rookie. Uh, I love this name. Tucapita Marcano, his first career grand slam. Uh, the difference in that one. And they beat the Rangers by a final of six to four. Dane Dunning uh, pitched well, five and two thirds, only one run and six hits. But uh, then they roughed up the bullpen and uh, the Pirates with the victory last night. Six runs and 11 hits uh, for the Pirates in that victory last night. It is 46 minutes past the hour. We're going to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning. The uh, Atlanta Braves got off to a great start last night, scored four runs in the first inning, took a 4 nothing lead, um, but then the floodgates opened and the Dodgers uh, took control of this game. The Dodgers end up winning this game in Atlanta, a battle against the two teams with the best records in the National League. And the Dodgers win 8-6. to six. Um, Freddie Freeman, three hits, three runs, batted in against his former team, uh, hit his ninth home run of the season. Uh, J.D. Martinez, remember him, Red Sox fans? Two bombs last night for the uh, Dodgers. He went four for five, uh, two solo shots for uh, J.D. Uh, it was his seventh and eighth home runs of the season. Uh, one of them came off uh, Charlie Morton. The other came off A.J. Minter. Charlie Morton, uh, six runs in five innings last night. Not his best start of the season. He had been dynamite for the Braves all year, but he got roughed up last night. And uh, the Dodgers... End up winning the game behind Freeman um, uh, and J.D. Martinez. Uh, look, both these teams are struggling right now pitching-wise. We saw it last night. Uh, the Dodgers, uh, Dustin May is on the DL. Julio Urias uh, is on the DL with a hamstring issue. Um, they've got two other young players that uh, that normally would be in line to start. They are also injured. Uh, so right now it is, you know, next man up for the Dodgers and uh, last night, Gavin Stone, a rookie, uh, was not great. Allowed uh, five runs and five hits in four innings. Um, but uh, after that first inning, he settled down, got him at least got him to the fifth inning where they were in the game and allowed the Dodgers to come back and win. Uh, look, the Braves are in the same situation. Uh, with uh, Max Fried is down, you know, they're really not sure when he is going to be back. 
Um, and they're just – they've got Kyle Wright injured as well. You know, so they are going to need some of these young kids uh, uh, to step up. They're going to throw – uh, another young rookie tonight, Bobby Miller, is going to make the start for the Dodgers, uh, or excuse me, for the for the uh, yeah, for the Dodgers. And uh, Spencer Strider, who has been great, the young kid for the Braves, uh, will get the start. It might, you would have to say advantage Braves going into the game tonight, but uh, uh, the Dodgers, with the victory, uh, extend their lead to a game and a half in the National League West. The Braves still with a four and a half game lead against the Idol. Uh, New York Mets last night. San Francisco Giants hot right now. Uh, they've won uh, six out of their last ten. They beat the uh, Minnesota Twins last night, four to one. Michael Conforto a three-run bomb uh, in a four-run first inning. All the runs that they would need came in the first, uh, and the Giants end up winning that game by a final of four to one. The Giants now one game under five hundred, uh, six games back. Uh, of the Dodgers, but only a game and a half out of the last wild card. Uh, John Brebbia was the starter last night. It was really just an opening situation, pitched the first inning. And then Sean Manaya, former Oakland Athletics and San Diego Padre pitcher, uh, three and two-thirds shutout innings last night. He struck out eight. Eight of the 11 outs that he got last night were via the K, uh, and he ends up picking up the victory, his second of the season. Uh, other games last night, the Cleveland Guardians Uh, Got a much-needed win, uh, snapped a losing streak. Uh, They beat the Chicago White Sox last night by a final of 3 to nothing. Um, You know, look, uh, I I, I don't know whether the Guardians are going to be able to hang in there or not. The the thing that the Guardians have going for them is the American League Central is awful. With the Twins losing last night, uh, the Guardians are now just three and a half back of them. they're a game back of the surprising Detroit Tigers, uh, who are in second place. The Tigers win yesterday. They beat the Royals 8-5 to in 10 innings, thanks to a bases-loaded uh, double uh, by Javier Baez, which was the uh, culmination of his three hits on the night. Uh, so Cleveland's still in this thing. Uh, Minnesota is really struggling. And, and here's the thing with Minnesota. They lose last night, you know, all well and good. But they struck out 16 times in the game last night, which is the most they've struck out all season, which is saying something because they lead the major leagues, the Twins do, with 474 strikeouts. So they're having a little bit of trouble making contact, and uh, that does not bode well uh, for them being able to stay in first place in the AL Central. Uh, The Diamondbacks win last night again. A very, very hot team. The Diamondbacks have won eight of the last ten. A game and a half back of the Dodgers. Lourdes Gurriel, who came over uh, from the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Longest hitting streak in the major leagues right now. Fifteen games. He had a homer, a double, two runs batted in uh, as they beat the Philadelphia Phillies last night by a final of 6-3. to three. And in the category of, hey, no kidding, doesn't everybody... Uh, the Oakland A's lost last night. The Seattle Mariners beat them 11-2. to uh, Jared Kelnick, his 10th home run of the season. Luis Castillo, six scoreless innings. Um, and uh, it was a uh, snap of a losing streak. Castillo had lost his last two starts. He also picked up the 1,000th strikeout of his career last night. Uh, the Athletics folks, 10-39. and and they are equal opportunity losers. They, they've lost five in a row, but they're five and twenty at home and five and nineteen on the road. 
They don't just they stink everywhere, not just when they're in Oakland. Uh, tonight they'll continue the series. Luis Medina uh, will get the start for the A's. He's 0-2 with an ERA of 6.88. Oof. Uh, this could be a high-scoring one if the if if it continues because Marco Gonzalez has been awful for the uh, Mariners. He is three and one, but he's got a six-one-zero ERA. His last start was against the Red Sox. He gave up eight runs in an inning and two-thirds, so he will look to bounce back from that absolutely horrific uh, start against the Red Sox tonight. That is going to do it for us here on a Tuesday morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Oh, by the way, Jimmy Buffett, out of the hospital. Uh, we played uh, some music in his honor yesterday, but the 76-year-old was released from a Boston hospital yesterday. He said he's going on a fishing trip. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, you know, he's going to rest and recuperate, and he's planning to get back out on the road. He had to cancel a, a concert in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, said he is going to look for a date to reschedule, but he plans to be back out on the road soon. So that is great news for parrot heads everywhere. We leave you this morning with some music from Christa Berg. It's called Timing is Everything. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country 94.1.